On the Record with Gavin Riley. Sunday morning at 11. Brought to you by PwC, a dedicated private business team built around you. It all adds up to the new equation on News Talk. You might know the name from being in the news for a couple of instances in the last couple of weeks of John Henry Foley, a very influential figure in the world of Irish sculpture. Uh, But more than that, he was Queen Victoria's favourite artist in the field and Queen Victoria personally requested that Foley build a statue of her belated consort, Prince Albert, uh, which is within London's Albert Memorial. But his legacy is more than that because the O'Connell Monument in the middle of the capital's thoroughfare, O'Connell Street, is his work too. And in more recent times, some of his work is actually under attack in America. But meanwhile, back at home, for reasons that you might remember, a TD has been calling for one of his statues to be removed from the grounds of Leinster House. And Donald Fallon has just come uh, straight from a pottery barn uh, to tell us all about this. Uh, Donald, good to see you as ever. Um, Around the world, and what we're going to talk about today gets us into the question of what you do with the remnants of old empires and former colonial powers and what you do about them after they're gone. Yeah, that was a great question which which befell Ireland in in the 1920s. And if if anyone's travelled around Europe a bit, have you been to Budapest? Maybe you've been to Memento Park, which Mm. houses, you know, monuments of Marx, Engels, Lenin, the various kind of Hungarian communist leaders as well. Uh, there's another one that I've been in actually near Vilnius in Lithuania. What I like about the one in Vilnius is they've managed to commodify Marxism because you have to pay in. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they're making a few quid on the old system. But, but the, these these parks, these kind of monument parks, they're actually kind of a genius idea really. Totally. Because what they do, I think, is they, they, they take historically interesting monuments and they remove them from a place of political power. You know, mm. So they just become curiosities. They just become interesting pieces of art. They're no longer Lenin standing in the middle of Budapest. It's now Lenin you know, in a park specifically for old Soviet memorials in Budapest. Mm. So look, I mean, the, the Economist, uh, Lenin was no fan of The Economist, but The Economist <laughs> actually condemned them by name. I noticed a few years ago, The Economist had a landmark anniversary and they used this like negative quote by Lenin in their advertisements. It yeah. was brilliant. It was like, the most dangerous <laughs> magazine in the world. But The Economist wrote about this park in Lithuania where I've been and they said, Stalin stands in military dress, his hands tucked inside the breast of his coat. Lenin sits relaxed, cross-legged with a book. Elsewhere, he extends his arm, mimicking the pose he, ad- he adopted when he arrived in Russia in 1917. And then they made a great point, The Economist, as countries grapple with their unsavoury pasts, and considered a rightful place of the controversial monuments, this park offers an alternative model to museums or destruction. And that, for a lot of people, seems to be the only two options on the table. Either we put them in a museum and say, well, this wasn't a great guy, mm. uh, or we or we, or we, we destroy them. Did we even have that debate in Ireland 100 years ago? So when we, when we finally become a free state and we're left with all these legacies of empire, so you've got literally got Admiral Nelson at the top of a big pole in O'Connell Street, do we have this kind of national discussion about what to do with them? Or, a, what's there, our approach? There was a little bit. Thomas Bodkin from the National Gallery was kind of saying we should keep them. He said these are kind of, you know, they're trophies left behind by, you know, a civilization that lost the 800-year war. In other yeah. words, we should be proud. These are relics of a past that we overcame. So we should be celebrating the high points of an empire that we defeated. Exactly, exactly. But I mean, in, in Dublin, I suppose this thing was, was made more difficult than in the post-Soviet world because when the Soviet Union collapses and when the satellite states collapse, that's it. Mm. Whereas in Ireland, you know, you have this debate around kind of, you've, you've got, you still have partition. You know, you still have, as far as some Republicans are concerned, the kind of unfinished business of it all. So that, I think, makes things like Nelson's, Nelson's Pillar a target. But the irony of Nelson's Pillar, like, it's made of Wicklow granite, right? It's designed by an Irish architect. Okay. It's been replaced by a big spike by a London-based firm. 
you could say so, Nelson's Nelson Pillar was, more, was actually it was an Irish work. It, and it, it, yeah, in some ways, Nelson's one. Pillar was a more Irish monument than 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 what has ultimately <laughs> okay. replaced it, which is kind of weird. Yeah. So yeah, look. But of all the artists who put monuments, controversial monuments, on the streets of Dublin, none are more important than than our subject today. And yeah, John Henry Foley's name is back in the press mm. uh, following calls from TD Patter to Bean for the removal of the statue. Patter's not saying you know melt the thing down or anything. He's just yeah. saying perhaps it shouldn't be where it is. And this is an issue that emerges every few years. I mean, put the Prince Albert statue into the newspaper archives and every three or four years, someone says, get rid of it. Yeah. And if you're wondering where exactly he is... Yes, because uh, he's, he's, he's visible if you know where to look. Yeah, go to the railings of the Natural History Museum, mm. uh, the Dead Zoo. You get a good look in, Adam, uh, from there. But I think what's really interesting about this and, and what let us flesh this out into a slot today is that actually, as we'll hear, this isn't the first Foley statue in recent years that's in the firing line. You know, even mm. in America, there's been calls for the removal of some of his work. Um, Foley is born in the north inner city and yet still manages to find himself find himself kind of rising through the ranks of British art pretty quickly. He's not just born in the north inner city, I mean, he's born in Monto. He's born in Montgomery Street in 1818 and, and, and the brothels hadn't yet arrived. So okay. Monto hadn't pre, been pre born Monto, yet. Monto, yeah. Mo, Pre-Monto, Monto. So that's extraordinary. You know, and it was in the blood. His granddad uh, had worked on some of the figures in the custom house. Okay. And he's just kind of young emerging talent, Foley. He makes his name in Britain. First major commissions are statues in Westminster. I don't know if you've done that tour. I presume you've done that tour. I have. I've done the like, the inside tour. Actually, yeah, but I don't yeah. remember them pointing out. Oh, there's the, the guy like, from the Monto did like that. all good like, political anorex. You know, like yes, me too. You go yeah, to Westminster yeah. and you do the tour. Yeah, uh, and you'll see all these great statues in the corridors of power in, in Westminster. In fact, during the Brexit. Uh, debates. You can actually sometimes see Henry Grattan's statue there yeah. uh, in the corner. But there's loads and loads of statues of, of men, pretty much all men, mm. uh, and some of them are the work of Foley. But I mean, Foley didn't really have politics when it came to statues. There was no politics at play. There was only paychecks. So okay. if, you, if you could afford the commission, he'd do the statue. <laughs> so you end up with, you know, Oliver Goldsmith uh, outside Trinity College. Edmund, okay, that's his as well. Okay. Edmund Burke, the father of conservative political thinking, yes. the Anglo-Irish Statesman, and they're great statues. I mean, Walter Strickland, who was a real authority on on nineteenth century statues, says that when you look at uh, Goldsmith, you know, it shows a vitality, a knowledge, and a sense of structure and movement, and a decorative feeling absent in the cold and lifeless work of his contemporaries. I love that statue. Mm. Goldsmith was chucked out of Trinity College because he was a drunken mess who very rarely attended lectures. <laughs> yeah. And then you have this great statue of Goldsmith reading a book yeah. outside Trinity College, looking fantastic. If ever there was proof, by the way, that the guy was just taking paychecks and didn't have any sort of political axe to grind, the fact that he did Burke, who is, you know, the father of, of modern unionism, he's on his big thing outside Stormont, and he did O'Connell, the liberator, standing in the middle of the main street in Dublin, uh, did both, it is quite incredible. Um, the first Foley statue that got binned uh, was actually binned in Galway, and with a fair amount of fanfare as well. Lord Dunkillen was in Galway's Air Square for almost five decades and when independence came the, the local people took it upon themselves to get rid of it and there's a great account from a witness who watched this a large mob headed by a man dragging with ropes the statue of Lord Dunkillen from Air Square some sitting on the statue as if they were on a sledge there's a touch <laughs> of Baghdad 2002 about that really yeah right? there's also a touch of Bristol uh, yeah. in recent times you remember that one that was, was thrown into the river yes, there yeah. but into the river Corrup uh, went Dunkellen to the sound of a singing crowd as a band played I'm forever blowing bubbles. So, you know, generally in Dublin, people blew up statues in the middle of the night. In Galway, this was a great moment of, yeah. of theatrics uh, when the first Foley statue was lost. One of the statues that was removed, uh, or, or was removed, it was removed on the other side of the world and this was a, a point of, of contention quite recently. Confederate General Thomas Stonewall, Stonewall Jackson. It's been a bad couple of years for statues of Confederate generals uh, in the <laughs> United States. But I yeah. think that the thing about the Confederate statues in America that isn't said enough 
Most of them are really badly made. They're poor quality statues. They're from the like late 19th century or even the early 20th okay. century. They were never works of art. They were put up in cities and towns to say to black people, you know, we own this town and you don't. Okay. So when they were so pulled down... So it was never supposed to be a kind of a celebration or a commemoration. Exactly. It was like just... Some of, them, some of the ones that were pulled down in the States, no one even knows who, who made them. Like they weren't. They were okay. like some of the Soviet stuff. They were ten a penny, mm. and when they were pulled down, they often smashed on impact when they hit the ground because the material was cheap. I mean, yeah. everything about them uh, was ludicrous. But that wasn't the case with just John Henry Foley's statue. You know, whatever about Stonewall Jackson and his place in history, it was still uh, an incredible piece of art. But removed, yeah, in re- in recent times. Uh, well, again, a sign of just how how far-reaching his legacy was that he was still doing stuff of of uh, you know leading American Confederates as well. Uh, total side note, and and I'm, I know we're sort of caught for time, so I'm good and not going to indulge us too long. There is inside the uh, US Capitol building, the Houses of Congress, uh, there is a place called Statuary Hall because every state is allowed to have monuments of two of its famous sons or in, in some cases daughters. So every state sends two statues of its own. And there is right in the middle of the rotunda outside the Speaker's Place, it is a former meeting house or former venue where the House of Representatives itself actually met. There is a statue of uh, the Confederate leaders at Jefferson Davis, whichever one of the southern states he was from, has sent his statue there and it's in the middle of Congress. And I always thought it was a very interesting thing to do, mm. to send a statue of the guy who tried to bring down this republic mm. and, and he's there standing in the middle of, of the centre of that republic. Um, I digress, uh, so let's get back to it. Uh, there's one in the Phoenix Park. Or there was, of yeah. Foley, and, of Lord Goff. And if you listen to... That's the to, best of the lot of them. Yeah, really. if you listen to, to radio reports, sometimes they actually still say, and I put this into Twitter just to check, you know, and the likes of AA Roadwatch and other people who give traffic reports, mm. they still sometimes talk about Goff's roundabout in the Phoenix Park. Goff has gone for ages, but the, the statue of Lord Goff was <laughs> one of the one of the great equestrian statues of the world. It was yeah. the work of Foley. Winston Churchill's earliest childhood memory, because his father was working in the park, uh, was going along to see the unveiling of this statue. And actually, it's a beautiful account of it. Mike, Mick Ryan, who, who was later a participant in the IRA in the 1950s, the border campaign, he said, my dad would say to me, that's the finest statue of its kind in the world. And it was done by a Dublin man named Foley. That's bronze. We'd walk around the statue, examining the beautiful lines of the horse. I love this description. The proud seated figure on it and the strength and unity of horse and rider never failed to trill me and provoke my imagination to thoughts of the battles he fought and to regret that I had never done such things. Wow. Amazing words from a kid who'd go on to join the IRA in the 50s. But I mean, Foley's appeal to Victoria is the stuff of legend. The Victoria and Albert Museum in London, uh, there's a statue of Foley carved into it. And she really? just loved him. Yeah, she wow. requested that he create the statue of Albert, as you mentioned in the introduction. Uh, and she ensured that he was buried in Westminster, which is a great, you know, very few Dubliners yeah. uh, have, have that honour. So, that's all the more remarkable, isn't it? When you remember this guy also did the Daniel O'Connell statue. Yeah, uh, well, there don't come many more impressive than the one of O'Connell because of just how imposing it is and how many different kind of secondary figurines That's there are. Because there's, there's just an awful lot going on. There's in loads that. going on. He yeah. did he did O'Connell himself up top, of course, in the robes of a barrister. And when you look at the rest underneath O'Connell, there's there's Ireland herself. You know, she's pointing up. Uh, she's standing on broken chains which is very symbolic yeah. she's holding Catholic emancipation there's a bishop on one side of her and there's a peasant on the other you know that idea like all of Ireland stands behind O'Connell yeah. but Foley died uh, in 74 1874 and they reckon it was his work that killed him uh, because it was dangerous dangerous enough work you know, to be working around these kind of materials yeah. so all kinds of breeding issues came with that and it was Thomas Brock his, his, his pupil uh, and also a brilliant talent his student 
finished some of his works including mm. the O'Connell statue so if you are uh, going to the dead zoo uh, any day of the week <laughs> and you and you look up beside the railings there and you see uh, Albert poking his head above the hedge at the back of Leinster House there kind of then is the question well what do we do with him what do we do with him look there are bits and pieces of old monuments across Dublin Nelson's head is in Pier Street in the library uh, there's bits of the Victoria we gave Victoria away of course yes, I, love yeah. that, I love that plaque in Australia a gift from the people of, of yes. Australia from the people of Ireland yeah we were thrilled we were all about it yeah <laughs> bits of her have survived you know so there was a little uh, Boer War soldier sitting on the base of that monument for example mm. that survives there's a few chunks of other things as well what about a monument park you know, yeah. it's, just, it's just one idea but what about a part of Merrion Square that's given over to all these interesting old imperial monuments what about Goth Roundabout what about Goth <laughs> stuff <laughs> going on on the one roundabout yeah. <laughs> throw them all there be like the, 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 the most uh, crowded museum you've ever seen in your life uh, Donald Fallon thank you as ever Donald Fallon is the author of several books including Three Castles Burning A History of Dublin and 12th and Street I, I, just, I just destroyed any Republican credentials I had by calling for the, the reinstatement <laughs> of imperial monuments in the city of Dublin there you go this is his last lot before he gets cancelled now uh, Donald Fallon it's been fun thank you thank you for all those years uh, Donald is also the presenter of the Three Castles Burning podcast of Dublin history which you'll find anywhere you get your audio online On the Record with Gavin Riley, Sunday morning at 11 brought to you by PwC a dedicated private business team built around you it all adds up to the new equation on News Talk